Hello everyone, welcome to MathOp, this is the official podcast of heyyouguys.co.uk. My name is John Lyons, I'm here to shoot the cannon of film news into the crowd to see who's left standing. I have with me Dave Stipplejack, editor of the site and writer on the site, Gary Phillips. And also joining us again this week is Brendan Connolly of SlashFilm.com fame. Guys, it's been quite a week. We're going to go through a number of films that are out this week or out next week. Um, and then we're going to follow up with a bit of uh, a few of the choice morsels of news that's hit the, uh, hit the internet. Uh, the first one we're going to look at is Valentine's Day. I haven't seen this film yet. Dave, I know you've had the pleasure of being in the company of some of the cast this week. And also you've had the pleasure of seeing the film. Mm. Tell us a bit about it. Give us your reaction. Um, well, it's got this phenomenal casting. There's about 20 different people who are in the movie, that all, all of which you'll have heard of. Um, the lead is probably Ashton Kutcher, uh, Jessica Biel, and Jennifer Garner. Um, and it's basically about relationships. But the problem with this movie is it's not very good. <laughs> That's quite a problem, especially with 20 people in the cast. Okay. Yeah, well, the trouble is because there are so many people that there's not much character development. And the film's two hours long as well. Um, running time, it goes on forever. So this, because there's, I think there's um, 18 different main characters, and so there's nine relationships, um, and basically you're working your way through all of those. So the runtime goes on forever because by the end of the film they have to tie up so many loose ends that it, it just drags on and on and on. Um, the press conference was pretty much the same as the film. It's uh, that dragged on as on and on as well, and there wasn't really any film questions in there. It was all just about who's your Valentine Day and what you're going to do on it. Um, <laughs> It's probably a DVD movie. It tries to be Love Actually, um, and it's, I guess it is the American version of Love Actually, but it's nowhere near as good. Well, okay. Well, it sounds like, I mean, it, it's obviously being released this weekend, which is perfect timing. Do you think anyone's going to see it? I'm sure they will, because like, even at the press conference, there was a guy next to me saying he was going to go and watch it, and I, I said he should save his money, but uh, <laughs> he, he looked at the big poster that's got, you know, Jessica Bill, Jessica Alba, um, Jennifer Garner and all these pretty women and, and uh, you know you want to go and see it and probably the same for the ladies with people like Bradley Cooper in it and uh, uh, Topher Grace I mean there, but there is such, such a massive cast surely surely there must have been some sort of chemistry to keep you interested there's, there's chemistry, chemistry between the characters but I don't know Maybe what do you think is it, is Valentine's it... Day is not my thing anyway I think it's just a marketing gimmick so. That's the spirit two days before. <laughs> does, does the film not address that, Dave? Does the film not sort of talk about that? What, the fact that some people don't like it? Yeah. Yeah, it does. There's a, Whose character is it? Um, Jessica Biel's character. She is a she has a party for Valentine haters. Um, and that's quite amusing. Don't get me wrong, there are amusing bits in the film. It's not all bad. Sounds um, like it's getting better the more you're talking about it, Dave. Well, t- two hours long. Two hours, people. Well, two hours isn't that much, is it? Two how, hours. Does, how does it compare to He's Just Not That Into You, which seems to be one of the more... I've not films. seen that, and uh, but I hear that people that have seen it compare the two together. Dave, you're also a man, okay? Yeah, which, that's another that thing. That can't however, be avoided. On, our, on Hey You Guys, the review is there that Andy did, um, one of our writers, Andy, who is a girl, and she hated it too. Fair Isn't enough. There a sequel announced as well, New Year's Eve. Yeah, that's right. Was that, was that not another joke? That sounds crazy. I think you said I it in the press conference, true. but I think it was a joke, wasn't it? No, it's absolutely true. It was announced even before your press conference. We had it on Slash Room on Monday, I think. Um, it's going to have some of the same actors in it and uh, some are not the same actors, and it's really going to take place. They're relocating it to New York. I mean, the thing here is it costs less than $50 million and it's got all those people in it. And each of those will pull in a certain sort of, you know, little slice of the audience. You can't fail this spinner. Yeah, of course. But the thing is, what I mean, I, I obviously I haven't seen the film, but is it like, were they able to get that amount of stars because they only had to do a couple of or a few days filming and therefore it's... it's Gary Marshall and everybody loves Gary Marshall because he is a legend at the press conference. You know, everyone was all smart. Everything he said, people laughed at because he's a genius and he's a really nice <laughs> <laughs> you see, genius gets genius is a word that gets banded around quite a lot. I don't, I, I think Gary Marshall, you know, he's done Pretty Woman, and I'm sure he's done a few other things. Um, I don't think that there's genius written all over this. But uh-huh. having said that, you know, I think if if, if you're in the mood, um, 
It's w- a good watch DVD. A DVD. Watch it next year on DVD. And then watch next year, the year after, or new year, the year after. I'm getting really confused. It sounds like it's um, it's just another one of those films that's kind of put out there. I was hoping that there'd be a bit of something, you know, a bit of something else to it. Maybe a bit, might be a bit more witty than than just like a bog standard, you know, rom com. But okay, it doesn't sound like it, Dave. So that's the thumbs, thumbs down. kind of in the middle. Yeah, thumbs they're, down they're, they're not all the way down, but pretty much. Okay, well, have the shiniest teeth in it, Dave. Uh, probably Toe for Grace, I think. Let's move on there from Valentine's Day. This is um, a film that I saw a couple of weeks ago that's out today. Um, stars Colin Firth, Matthew Good, Julianne Moore's in there as well. It's uh, Tom Ford's A Single Man. It's Tom Ford's uh, directorial debut. He uh, enlisted the, um, the help of Colin Firth to bring the story, uh, which is by Christopher Isherwood, to the screen. It tells of a gay man, a gay professor in the 1960s in Los Angeles, whose lover has died and he has had months and months of pain and uh, decides one day to end his life. And basically it is the story of um, the last day of his life. Um, has anyone seen it at all apart from me? No. No, not yet. It's on the list. Quite, quite a few people, but I don't think they're on this conference call. <laughs> <laughs> um, Thank you, Brandon. So, it's by a story, from a story by Christopher Isherwood, yeah? That's right. So how does it compare to Cabaret? Uh, it, well, as, as you can imagine, have you seen any trailers for it? I have indeed, yeah. Okay. It it's, looks like Almodovar transposed to the States. That was the sort of vibe I got off of it. It'll be interesting to, to, to sort of see what, what you guys think of it, because the the main um, the main thing that impressed me was Colin Firth's performance, and people have given him um, uh, a bit of a bad um, bit of a bad rap about it, because they're saying that it's all about him, and he doesn't let the story go. It's all about his his his, his emotions. And but to be honest with you, um, he really really carried the film for me completely. It was one of those films where I didn't know anything about it going in, um, and I was hooked literally from the from the very first scenes. He plays so much of it just through you know very very slight. Um, emotions that he can show, because obviously being a gay man in, in the 1960s in, in America, it's uh, very much frowned upon, so he can't grieve, he can't mourn, yeah, so much of it is repressed, and unlike the other characters that Colin Firth is sort of known for playing, the sort of very you know stiff upper lip, very repressed emotionally, this is a man who's just filled with emotions, and has a good reason to repress them. It's a real, it's, it's a real strange um, thing to see him playing so close to the type that he's been, um, you know, uh, lumped with, and yet make such an effective performance. Um, for me, I think it was one of, definitely one of the best films I've seen for quite a long time. But some people may get annoyed because it's Tom Ford, who is of course a fashion designer, who. Um, plays around a lot with the screen he plays around a lot with color uh, in particular when everything's very um very grainy uh, very dull colors when colin first is you know going around being very sad and then when he sees people when he sees people that you know um people that he takes a shine to the this screen blossoms with color and it's um it's a very artificial what, like thing. before your eyes like like it's Pleasantville or something, or, uh, or yeah, yeah, like it's it's Lizlifty sort of. Effect. I tell you what it is; it's exactly like someone is turning up the the contrast, uh, you know, dial on the like the on saturation the before yeah, your yeah. very eyes. Yeah, um, exactly. So it's very notable, is it? It's something that I'd actually feel. I'd feel the film pushing me. I'd feel this manipulation going on. Do you think? Min- yeah, uh, it's it's a notable artifice, which for me it didn't take me out at all. Um, I thought it was quite a bold move and oh. it will put some people off. I mean, it must have, because otherwise you can't be telling me about it. I noticed I mean, it, must, it. You must have been aware of it. Um, you must have been noticing, noticing his artifice. Yes. Otherwise you couldn't possibly be, be describing it to me. That sounds, sounds quite off-putting. I've got a question about something you said, John. Can you clarify something sure. for me? You said people were, were criticising um, Colin Firth because... because his performance was getting in the way of the story. What, That's it. That doesn't make any sense. Do these people not understand how films get made? How, how can that be so? Um, I think that what they actually had an issue with was the fact that it was um, that he was getting so much praise for it. And maybe these were fans of the story. I mean, I have no idea. This, this isn't my criticism. It's something that I'm I noted sure. when I was doing it. Um, it makes no sense because I have to say I was... And, and this, this relates to the whole notion of did, did the artifice of the way the film was presented get in the way? For me, it really didn't because when you're... When it when it was happening, it was purely from uh, Colin Firth's point of view. The the gaze is used very very heavily in this film, and it is 
the, the, the colours blossom. It's not as if you, you see Colin Forth walking along a street where all of a sudden everything turns lovely and, and green. It's only when he's looking at people. And it happens when he's talking to people and it can be uh, female or male, and he, the the camera starts to uh, to jump cut. He jump cuts from as the um, conversation oh, is going in the background. Gone. No, no, no. But what it does is it starts to pick out things, like it starts to pick out the eyes, the very heavily made up eyes, and and then cuts to the lips of people. So what he's doing is he's, you know, I think what I think what Tom Ford was going for is he was going for things that reminded him of his dead lover because if this is the last day of his life he's looking for reasons to stay alive um and i think that um for me i actually quite enjoyed it but i don't think that you and i would see no pun intended eye to eye on this brandon because i don't mind the the you know a bit a bit of artifice it doesn't force me to to, to feel something um no no but but it doesn't it doesn't lead you to feel anything either john and that, that's that's the issue i've got with artifice i mean if, if i've got an auditorium with two thousand people in it and i showed them a film like this mm. there's going to be those that notice the artifice and resist the artifice and that's going to make up a certain percentage there's going to be those that sort of like um do what the film tells them to do, but no one's being seduced into feeling something. And when you seduce people into feeling something, they don't question it and they can't question it. So if I was watching a film that seduced me into having these ideas rather than signposted them to me, I mm. couldn't question them because the ideas were coming from within me. Well, maybe maybe so it's just I, the way... I, I sort of get a little bit. I get a little bit frustrated when I think it's. I think it's. I, I, you know, I mean, we could have this conversation every week, so I'll just sort of put it to bed now. But I think artifice that's obvious as artifice really is the is the the resort of those who who can't seduce the audience through more subtle means. Do you want to explain what artifice means for people that are listening that might not know? Have you not looked it up on Wikipedia? Then I'm not typing. I get told off. I have to say. <laughs> I mean, the, the the artifice that that I was talking about is if you're going to feel. I mean, it's 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 like. The, the, literally, it is, it is the saturation of of the images, um, of the colour of the images on screen. So it's very dull, it's very grey. Um, there's very little colour in it when Colin first there. When he notices something that kind of, um, you know, affects him emotionally in a positive way, literally the colour comes up. But the thing is, that's not a natural, um, you know, um, reaction. It's purely it subtle. No, and and the thing is, a couple of times you think, hmm, did something happen there? And then, of course, when he sees someone that he really likes, the colour goes way up, and it's and it's way way up. And I think, to, I mean, we should put this to bed now. But I think that one of the things that um, is perhaps notable is this: this is Tom Ford's directorial debut, and it could be that he thought of doing this he, he decided he made these decisions because he thought that's what he wanted to do maybe a couple of films down the line he'll hold back a little bit and let the audience make up their own mind certainly um it's a fantastic film i really really enjoy it i'd recommend it certainly by valentine's day um <laughs> but um that's uh, that's my recommendation for the week if we had such a such a thing um you so, think he's going to win the Oscar as well, don't you, John? Colin Firth, I do. Yeah. I mean, um, like I said, I haven't seen... I, I, I don't think he's going to win it. I'd like for him to win it because it's a great performance. I'm pretty sure Jeff Bridges will. Okay. Um, let's... I've not seen anything of it. I haven't seen a trailer on TV or in the cinema. You need to it? check how you guys more often. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I mean, <laughs> I, don't, I, I think that um, it's certainly in, in the UK it's being heavily promoted on Colin Firth and it's not being promoted that much. Um, I think the, the whole notion of, of it being an Oscar, um, Oscar contender for Colin Firth, I think that, that's going to be advertising in itself. But I don't know who necessarily would just look at this on, you know, on a poster on the tube and think, yeah, this is what I want to go and see. Um, oh, I think the sort of people who frequent the sort of city screen style slightly you know pseudo off mainstream art house places will will go a bundle on this yeah swiss, swiss cottage crowd i don't think this is friday night you know competition for district nine or whatever but i, I think this is going to play at least as strongly as uh, the film that shall not be named which was you know did massive at the box office for the last couple of weeks yeah. definitely on a definitely on a per screen average well, I mean, I'm, I'm hopeful, like I said, it, it is out today, so we'll see what happens with that. We're going to move on now um, to The Wolfman. This is something that's, um, it's had a bit of an arduous uh, journey to the screen. Uh, Brendan, I believe you're going to take this one. Yeah, well, ultimately, I mean, we'll start at the end. Ultimately, it's a load of old cobblers, really. I mean, what happened at the start is Mark Romanek was attached to, to direct from a, um, a Kevin, um, Kevin Andrew Walker script, and... Um, 
he quit, and there were various reasons given as to why he quit, and some of them were to do with the budget, some of them to do with the, you know, the supposed you know, creative differences, whatever those might, might be. But the fact of the matter is, Romanek did probably did the right thing. It's what the studio have done, every choice along the line that we've seen afterwards, is they've tried to homogenise this thing. Um, it's very, very boring. It's at a very, very flat pace. Nothing speeds up, nothing slows down. And the control of pace is kind of essential to a horror film. Um, so it's definitely not a horror film. It's a horror film that, in, in the sense that Jaws is a horror film. Every now and then it will cut to a dog and there's a loud bark on the soundtrack or, or something <laughs> like that. And there will be people. There will be people jumping. In its, you know, in the plus column, if I'm going to tick some things off, Hugo Weaving's got a couple of good scenes, and there's one scene in a pub which is downright hilarious. Actually, I mean, he really gives a, some beautifully sort of comic line readings, um, and he's. Um, set up for a potential sequel, but I don't think we'll we'll get one anyway. Uh, the production design's pretty good. I mean, these look they, the buildings look sort of like what they're supposed to be. There's a nice little homage to American Werewolf in London with a sort of a late 19th century bus. So good, that's good. all in the plus column. Uh, in the minus column, it's sort of everything else, really. Danny Elfman's music is probably quite quite successful on its own terms, but we just don't need... An, we don't need another soundtrack and, and it's an application to images where frankly it doesn't it, it, flogging a dead horse it's pretty badly edited which is shocking because one of the editors credited is walter murch and he's the sort of yoda of editors really and he was pulled in quite late in the day i can only imagine what he had to work with though i think anybody who's got any sort of expectation that uh, captain america is going to be a, a well-produced film a film you know that's beyond the, the successful in the most banal sense should give up now joe johnston's clearly just like you know dr hack the man's jurassic park 3 yeah what about jurassic park 3 is easily the best of the jurassic park films but that doesn't mean it's any good uh, no okay so let's i tell you what brent let's yeah, sorry. Let, let's get back to to to, to the wolfman then okay so what, it's i mean people have said that the pacing's a bit of an issue give us something good effects give us something good about um benicio does del toro makeup isn't bad benicio's you know allowed to have a sort of fairly natural accent to him which is probably good because he probably would have failed otherwise. But okay. the plot mechanics that sort of allow him this are just hackneyed and ridiculous. Anthony Cher's character is just from a different film. <laughs> I mean, um, Emily Blunt looks like she's got a cold. I know it's not even worth pointing it out. She always looks like she's got a cold. Um, it's just not very good. Rick Baker's makeup's okay, but Rick Baker's done so many much better makeups. The transformation is okay, but how many years have we since American Werewolf in London? And I think it's beyond parody now almost, isn't it? Because I saw a clip of it and instantly my mind went straight back, you know, to American Murph in London. So, but isn't it... Well, yeah, it's definitely not a parody. It's definitely just trying to trying, trying to ride on it. And I, I feel very bad for Baker because this was a dream project for him. And I feel very bad for Del Toro because it's a dream project for him. And I feel particularly bad for Mark Romanek because he had a great film in his head, I promise you. But it never made it. Okay. So, uh, guys, in, um, Dave, Gary, any any desire to see this now? Yeah, no, I still want to see it. I'm looking. Why? Well, I I like making my own opinions up. You know, just because everybody tells me a film's bad doesn't mean it's going to be. Yeah, but do you guys see everything that you're told is bad? I mean, what is it about this you want to see? Is it the idea of seeing a big hairy man running around or or what? I mean, well, it's been in production for four years, isn't it? So there's been a lot of talk about it for for a long, long time, and it's finally out. I think I'll go and see it. Okay, Gary, what about you? You up for it? Um, probably not, no. Um, I'm a big fan of the 1941 Wolfman film, the original. It's was a um, classic. And Brendan, I mean, you, you're about to tell us this, but is uh, they were talking a lot about the fact that it's it's looking back to the old, you know, uni- universal monsters. Is is there much of that in there, or is it... I think they're trying to kickstart a new sort of franchise, universal monster franchise. And if you look at some of the, the stuff that the studio have been feeding to blogs online about it, they're trying to set it up with Proyas has got a Dracula film coming. Um, thing. Guillermo del Toro is tied in with a, well, the thing's not part of the universal monsters line as such. Oh. Um, we're thinking, you know, the, the the old James James Whale, Todd Browning, black and white horror film type monsters. So, you know, you, you, you're, your vampires, your werewolves, your, your shambling, slimy 
Black Lagoon monsters and so on. Okay. Um, so they're trying to they're trying to get a, a reboot off on, on those terms, like you know, even with potential crossovers. But I don't think we'll see another standalone Wolfman film. What's interesting though about this one is it is pretty faithful to some of the plot points of the the Kurt original, and a lot of people have misinterpreted these plot points as being a sort of a rip off of Ang Lee's Hulk film. When in fact the Ang Lee Hulk film was taking the plot points from the original Wolfman. But nobody nobody writing about film these days seems to have seen the film before 1980. So no one's. And you don't need to when the 80s was filled with such wonderful, wonderful gems. OK, we're going to move on from that. Um, thanks, guys. That's uh, that's our take on The on the Wolfman. Uh, we have two more films that we're going to talk about. One of them um, is uh, massive, it's huge, and the other one is uh, is slightly smaller. Uh, let's go with uh, with the big one first. Dave, Percy Jackson, tell me everything. Um, are we beer a long time? It's, All right, just it, tell me a little bit then. It's that... Uh... <laughs> If you're a kid, if you're 16, 17, 18, I think you'll really enjoy this film, especially if you're in America and you've read the books. Um, basically, I think Percy Jackson in America is as big um, as, as Harry Potter is over here. Um, whereas I, I don't know anyone who's read the Percy Jackson books, but we're getting a lot of hits um, from our coverage for Percy just from Amer- America. Um, the film is extremely CGI heavy. Um, the It's got a great cast in it. Um, if you... Pierce Brosnan doesn't sing, which is good, but he's in it. He's a, he's a horse. Um, of course, he is. You got, absolutely. You got um, Brandon T. Jackson is a satyr. Um, the CGI is clever on the way they've done the the the, uh, uh, the CGI on the characters themselves. Um, it might have overdone it actually. Um, there are certain places and uh, bits where they have got beautiful scenery, but but then they they decided to to film it. I think it was all done on location where they're, they're in like a forest and they're doing a sword training scene, which is quite good at the beginning. Um, the story pings around quite quickly, and I think that's probably because the book had a lot more in it, like Potter did, and, and they have to cut a lot of it out for the films. Um, for the film. But there's five books in total, so it's quite possible that if this one goes well, and it probably will do, uh, that they'll do another one. Uh, and from the way I was at the press conference for it a couple of weeks ago, and from, from what they were saying there it, it sounds pretty much like they're going to do another one i think they're all signed up to do it you can watch the press conference on the website you um, can yeah um do you think that there's going to be much competition or there's going to be much um many problems with it going up against clash of the titans i think they're different films i think clash is is an, el- an older film because it's got an older cast in it this one it, uh, kids are going to love it i think adults are going to uh, pick holes in it there, there's a scene where at one point where um Percy and his pals go off to a uh, it's called the Lotus Hotel and they basically get drugged up um, and I thought the film lost lost its way a little bit there where suddenly it was a kids film to, going into this psychedelic let's let's um, let's all get high and he had, uh, Brandon had loads of women surrounding him and, and I, we asked Chris Columbus about this during the uh, round the table interviews and he, he basically said that um, in films like uh, Dumbo and um, Pinocchio, you know, you see the, them going off and seeing people smoking cigars and stuff and it didn't dis- distract from it. But, but that was about 40 years ago. Um, times have changed and things have become a lot more PC, I think. Um, and I, I don't know, he's good at pushing boundaries. He always has been, uh, Chris Columbus. What? Uh, well, you have to remember you're Boundaries talking... as in finding the line between kids and, and adult humour I guess are you bringing up um, gremlins there gremlins um, even the goonies to a point hey, hey Brent I tweeted a couple of weeks ago about gremlins to try and sort of canvas opinion on a few things but one of the things that, that is definitely true of, of that film and, and came up in, in, in discussion with a lot of other people I know who read the script is that Columbus' original script for Gremlins isn't really that like the film at all, and it was very much pitched at a, a younger audience. Very much pitched at a younger audience. Now, I I think you're misreading your, your hits on Percy Jackson. It, it isn't doing anywhere nearly as well as the Harry Potter books did. Oh, no, I'm not, I, didn't books. Say, I didn't say it was, but I think that per, per, uh, the person who wrote Percy is American, aren't they? I think that that's the Percy franchise is... Is basically it, it's clearly doing a lot better in America than it's doing in Britain. But the Harry Potter books in, in America, let me tell you, I, I stood on malls in, in America where there were queues of kids for hours before midnight openings. And you won't get anything like that for this over there. Sure, it's relatively successful, but globally, Potter was a huge publishing sensation. Yeah, and no, Potter, Potter is by far, um, far outsold. So what makes sure. the difference then? 
who got there first, I think, really, to be honest. So it's like coming in, like, it's always going to be in the shadow of Potter. People are going to be, I've seen that before. I'm not going For to a while, you know, I think another 10 or 15 years, we've got something else that echoes this same sort of, because Harry Potter is just, just William with wands, you know, and we've had a few other, you know, sort of variants on it along the way. Um, even Neil Gaiman's Books of Magic was very similar in a lot of respects. But I, I think Percy Jackson, I think the film is probably only going to be a small success. I don't know if it's going to get another picture or not. Okay, that's surprising because I would imagine that they're banking on it, aren't they? They're thinking, well, let's just sign everyone up for, I guess it's going to be five films now and then let's just see. And it could be a case that they get a small following with this and then it goes up and it goes up and then it gets better. It's never going to go in there as the Harry Potter replacement. Um, Gary, Percy Jackson, have you read the books? Are you interested at all in seeing this? I have absolutely no idea about the film. Um, I've seen the trailer. It looks kind of exciting. I can imagine why kids would want to go and see it. But uh, one thing I do want to know, what's the rating? The, um, the rating of it? I will check. That may be a bit of typing in the background now, but we apologise. Dave, if you go to the BBFC website, you'll even be able to get their specific remarks on it. I might do a little bit. It is a PG. PG, okay. I mean, that's that's fairly standard. I think the Potter films were PG, or maybe they were you in the start. I don't know. I I can't Uh, remember. Let me check. I've got the DVDs here. Of course you have. (laughs) They're my wife's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, okay, but Gary, nothing about this does it impress you or? No, not at all. I mean, I think the title, the the name of the kid sounds a bit stupid. I mean, David David was calling it um, Percy Jackson last week and it just sounds ridiculous. But when you add the lightning thief at the end of it, it sounds a bit more Well, the full title in America is Percy Jackson and the Olympians hyphen, uh, sorry, colon the the lightning thief. So it, it goes on even longer in America. Not okay. knowing your hyphen from your colon, that's a bit like not knowing your <laughs> hyphen from your elbow. Um, I've, got the uh, I've got the extended classification. It's just a pun on colon. I've got the extended classification information from the BBFC here. Okay, you read that out. Um, they say, the, the bold bit is that they say moderate fantasy, violence and threat. But they say the film has one example of discriminatory language when Percy's stepfather refers to Percy's friend Grover as a cripple. The PG guidelines state that discrimination language is unlikely to be acceptable unless clearly disapproved of, as is such discrimination by a character with whom children can readily identify. Percy's <laughs> stepfather is shown through the film to be a thoroughly dislikable character. He is, his well. apparent intolerance in this scene merely reinforces this negative image. So while there is little immediate verbal condemnation, the man's behaviour is condemnation in itself. Given the broader context of the use of this language especially the subsequent revelation of the true nature of Grover's disability. Spoiler alert, I won't go that way, actually. No, no, quite This is unlikely to encourage emulation or upset audiences at PG. The film also contains some mild sex references. Okay. Does it mention the drugs in there? I'm getting on to it. However, the references are mild, comic and undetailed in accord with the PG guidelines state there may be mild sex references and innuendo only. The film also features a scene in which Percy and his friends are drugged by cancer, (laughs) socialized and spent on complete their quest. We should have just read this. I didn't need to see the film. There is no mention of any real-world drug, either visually or verbally, and the negative effects are made clear. This accords with the PG guidelines which state that references to drug misuse must be innocuous or carry a subtle anti-drug message. (laughs) Man, whoever writes this stuff must have a really exciting job man oh man okay okay well in that case uh, pay per word yeah <laughs> absolutely um to prevent this becoming um sponsored by the uh sponsored by the bbfc let's uh, let's move on so um dave sum up your thoughts in a in about 14 words worth seeing uh take your kids you might enjoy it. Get it on DVD. That's it. Stop. Uh, okay, well. fine. That's excellent. Um, give what's the rush on this? Why are, we, why are we cutting us like those off? By the way, Potter is a PG for the first three and then 12s for the last two. Okay, so, well, I guess we'll see what happens there. I was just, it, it, what brought to mind was the whole Golden Compass um, and Chronicles of Narnia thing where they will, they've obviously got franchises in mind. Some of them succeed and some of them don't. I don't know. It seems to me like there's, there's, absolutely no um no hiding the fact that there's many more percy jackson films out there not only because of the books but also they're thinking well you might not like this one but you might like the next 17 or whatever so we'll see what happens um we're going to move from percy to tony this is um <laughs> i've been working on that link for quite some time brendan tell me everything you can about tony tony is a serial killer in london there i've said it but it's on the box, it's on the poster, you can't avoid it. But the film itself tries to keep it secret for maybe 10, 15 minutes. 
and it's really a character portrait above all else. The director said he wasn't really that interested. Gerard Johnson, the director, he's the brother of Matt Johnson from The The. Matt Johnson's done the score. And actually, it's a whole family affair because the lead actor who plays Tony, Peter Ferdinando, is actually their cousin. And I think they've got uh, another brother who's done some sort of poster artwork for it. Anyway, um, he said he wasn't really that interested in having a plot, but there are some things that happen that are sort of notable. There are some victims that... If Tony killed victims like this on a daily basis, he'd get away with it for about three days. Um, so, you know, the idea that this is just a slice of life and everything's kind of, you know, business as normal doesn't quite wash, really. But as a as a character study, it's fairly good. Ferdinando's performance is exemplary. Um, there's a lot of techniques and, and, and sort of trickery borrowed from Alan Clark put to work here and it's not as good as an Alan Clark film but it plays homage and that's quite sweet particularly for, for big fans of, of Clark like myself and even um, Vicky Murdoch who was the titular Christine in Alan Clark's uh, film about a, a young drug addict she crops up in the film again she doesn't even act she's come, come back to do it but the main thing with Tony is that it sort of balances uh, in a sense of the macabre and a little bit of fret with a lot of sadness and some very strange black humour, and it's the sort of way it balances these tones which makes it makes it a success. And I'm also very interested because it's available in cinemas, on DVD, on video on demand, Skybox office, iTunes, whatever, all at once. Mm, yeah, I saw that. Sky were making a big deal of it. So what you're, what you're saying is that it was released in cinemas at the same time that they put it out everywhere else? Well, it was in the cinemas on the Friday, a week ago today, and, it was, and then on the Monday, it sure. was everywhere else. So you have three days to watch it on the big screen. It's still in cinemas. Okay, but it's not got a very wide release, is that true? Uh, no, not very wide at all, but I mean, if you live in a, a major metropolitan area, uh, you know, you're going to do all right. Absolutely, yeah, no, I'm just trying to think, because we've got uh, a story coming about, you know, distribution and, and, and cinema Yeah, absolutely, and I think we'll, we'll call back to that when we get there. Let's we just put do. it this way. We'll we'll have more chance of seeing Tony probably than we will that other film. Okay, nice one. <laughs> well, that rounds off the film news. Unless uh, Dave, Gary, you've got anything to say about Tony? No, no, nothing there. Okay, no. it. Does it sound good to you, Dave. Yeah. Gary? Say that again. Yeah, what, Tony? Good, yeah, yeah and me. Everyone's saying it's a really good film. So, Brendan, you've just convinced everyone to see a film, whereas Dave convinced everyone not to see a film. So, well, Valentine's Day. Yeah, don't bother. Yeah. <laughs> Films, um, definitely Tony, I think. Yeah, well, they're going for slightly different audiences, but I think it'll be good to see. It'd be, especially be good to see how it does, but we will call back to that when we talk about the um, uh, the particular new story we're talking about. Okay, guys, I think we're done for films that are out. We're going to move on to film news now because there have been a couple of things that have cropped up over the last week, which I have to say um, have been fairly divisive and uh, other ones that have been just, just plain lovely. Um, the first one we're going to talk about is Christopher Nolan. Superman, Batman, Godfather role. Has anyone got a decent one-sentence summation of exactly what's happening with this? Yeah, quite simply, Warners want to put Christopher Nolan on it so they can say Christopher Nolan is on it. He's not going to write it, he's not going to direct it, but they're going to say, oh, Chris, does this sound all right to you? Have a big check. So everybody goes, oh, Chris Nolan, Superman, it won't be like the horrible Brian Singer one that we had to think about. It'll be like that dumbass Dark Knight film that idiots like. <laughs> okay. When I, when I asked the for a one sentence... film of all time, yeah, that was... <laughs> so that's the one second totally um, impartial view from you there, Brandon. Um... Yes, that's true. Uh, he's, been, he's accepted a Godfather role, whatever that means, and I think it will be exactly what you said. It's going to be he's going to be maybe on the poster somewhere, or he'll certainly be you know there to whip up you know the hype before the film. I might but... see if I can become an uncle. Do you reckon they'll let me do that, David Stipelak, uncle of Superman? <laughs> <You can> be... <laughs> yeah, yeah I, think, I think you could be right. But I mean, given uh, given the fact that the Brian Singer's uh, Superman film didn't didn't do um, as well as people hoped, and Batman and the Dark Knight both did Batman Begins I mean um, is this a is this a wise move is this a worthy move what's the point of it marketing do you think it is just as simple as marketing or do you think he'll actually have an effect because people I mean literally as soon as the story was announced everyone was going it was exactly as you said people are saying oh this is going to be terrible or he's not going to do anything and, and it really split people and I think it was basically to see um, who liked you know, Christopher and, and, and who didn't. Um, the, the reaction online, I think, generally, really, if we're being honest, the consensus reaction was squee and people wet themselves of excitement. I do think that's what most people did. I don't I know. Think I, they, I know I, I certainly didn't. Made, 
<laughs> I know I certainly didn't, but I think that's what I saw a majority reaction, you know, being online. He's going to have some effect. It's probably going to mean David Goyer is going to take a pass at the script and Jonathan Nolan's going to take a pass at the script. And it's lovely when Jonathan Nolan comes in and takes a pass at the script. You've got a lovely dialogue like you got in Terminator Salvation. <laughs> so I think it's going to have some effect on the film. Um, I'd be very, very interested to find out who actually really does come on board as a director. Okay, they want in. people to think it's going to tie in with the Dark Knight. People loved mm. that film. And, the, you know, the idea that that's like the sort of uh, ne plus ultra of the superhero um, genre, they want that to rub off on Superman. There is a lot of bad, bad mouthing of, of Singer's really quite good film out there, and I think they're trying to steer away from that. You're the only other person I know who actually didn't mind it so I didn't hate it as much as everybody else. I, I, I didn't mind it either. I think Tarantino liked it. Yeah, I think he's still got a story to tell, and I think he he wanted to do a second movie. Singer, I, I think, think you're right. I think I think he would have had a good story with the uh, what Superman's son being involved, and I don't know. I think he was going somewhere, but he didn't get the chance. It'll be the Incredibles. It'll be brilliant. Okay, yeah, that I'd like to see. Okay, so Christopher Nolan, it's all marketing for Superman, and basically this is, uh, um, that's pretty much the end of it. Let's move on to uh, the lovely part of this week's film news. Toy Story 3 gave me a warm glow when I saw the, uh, when I saw the trailer. It was finally released yesterday, and um, I'm sure that everyone who's listened to this will have actually seen it. Um, what was the reaction from you guys? Gary, what do you think of it? Um, very excited. I can't wait. Absolutely love it. Um, just seeing Andy grown up and then the fact that he's going to get rid of all his toys like I did when I was young, getting rid of all my Star Wars toys, it's, it's just crazy. And then, you know, all these toys are going to go to the nursery and then, you know, it's going to be all these new toys. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be brilliant. What about any of the, I mean, I think there were a few new characters in there. Do you think that they work? Do they fit in? Yeah, I think the, um, was it the teddy bear? I can't remember his name, but yeah. L lots of hugging bear, yeah. Yeah. I think that's going to be fantastic. And Ken, definitely Ken. I think Ken's going to be the uh, the probably uh, uh, scene-stealing character, definitely. If you haven't seen these characters, go on, hey, you guys, and you can see we've got, we've got these 3D videos as well, so you can see them all the way around. They're brilliant. <laughs> that's very true. Uh, Dave, what did you think of it? Yeah, I thought it was brilliant. Um, but anything Toy Story, I, I'm, I'm well up for, and it's going to be nice because I've watched the first two so many times. It'll be nice to watch a new uh, a new story that we haven't seen yet. Um, I saw the thing on Slash Film today where they basically went through the uh, looking for Easter eggs, which are like hidden gems of uh, of nuggets of information through the trailer. Um, so check that out as well if you want to. Um, yeah, there you go. There's a plug for you, uh, Brendan. <laughs> but they, um, yeah, no, it's great. So there's all these hidden bits of information, like the number of um, uh, where you know someone's house or something was hidden within the trailer so go through that list and have a look because i found it quite fascinating and it's and that was just through a trailer you know, that, imagine what it's going to be like for the whole film so you're looking forward to it then yeah yeah, yeah the thing is i mean when, when when i saw it i have to say that i the thought occurred to me that even though it's been a few years since the last one they could pretty much keep making these films every five to ten years you know until until I guess all, all the actors are dead, but um, well, even beyond that, even, yeah, even longer than that. Uh, that's very true. I was, um, you know, I think out of respect for them, they probably wouldn't do that. But I have to say, when money's involved, probably not. But this is the kind of thing that could run forever. And something that I was uh, again reminded of is I'm so pleased that this didn't uh, suffer the fate of similar franchises uh, and go straight to DVD uh, as Toy Story Two, I believe, was originally going to. Um, I think it's so good to see it on, on the big screen again. And I, it's one of the very few trailers that I was looking forward to watching again while I was watching it. There was a, such a sense of magic to it and the characters felt so familiar and yet you, you really can't wait to, to be in a cinema and see a new adventure. Brendan, what did you think? I thought it was incredible. I think it's widely misinterpreted. There's an awful lot of information in there, not just these little Easter eggs, but there's awful lot of information about how the film's going to feel, what the emotional resonances are going to be, what the themes are going to be. And I think it looks rich and gorgeous and clever and smart and perfectly put together. And if it's anything like the first two films, just even remotely near them, it's got every chance of being the best experience we're going to have in the cinema this year. I simply cannot wait. Okay, that's that's. They should put that on the poster. I think that's a pretty good poster quote for them. We're getting uh, uh, tweet yeah. Lee Uncrich now, Dave. I know you're online. Yeah, yeah. And ask for what? And say we've yeah. got a quote for you. For oh, I see you in. Yeah, no, I'll do it. Um, I was just going to say we've got every week up until release. I think we're going to have new characters. Um, 
uh, pictures of them as well. So a lot yeah. of things will have been in the trailer, but um, we're going to have one a week, a photo, and then probably have this 3D video for each of them as well. Disney are farming that out on Wednesday afternoons at about half past four, so yeah. stay tuned for Same as Wonderland Wednesdays. Just to confuse people, but um, okay, yeah. well, that's actually quite a nice segue. Shouldn't it be uh, Toy Story Tuesday? Sorry, go on, John. Okay, that nice segue was completely interrupted there, so I'll probably have to edit that. But from Wonderland Wednesdays to uh, a bit of news that has been flying around in the last couple of days, this is purely for the uh, for the UK audience here. Um, my understanding of, of what's been going on, um, Disney are arguing with the main cinema chains uh, about the fact that they want to um, reduce the time from when the uh, a particular film, in this case Alice in Wonderland, gets its release in the cinema uh, to the time when it actually comes out on Blu-ray and DVD. I believe the current time is usually around 18 weeks. Disney want it to be 12 weeks. Um, cinema chains are sort of holding their hands up and saying absolutely not. And it's got to a bit of an impasse now where they're talking about boycotting it. And this is Odeon, uh, View and Cineworld, I believe, who own... I think, I think it's about 60% of, uh, of, of of all the cinemas, and I think it's an even oh, higher course, amount. Sorry? Uh, or the only other cinema chain I can think of was Empire. I don't know any others. Other but there's other... Yeah, I mean, um, what the, 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 the crucial defining factor is this, like, 90% of, of 3D screens, I believe, is the number that's been touted out. It's so actually basically, 95% of operational 3D screens. Okay, there you go. So, I mean, that is... I suppose it's good for them. Um, the problem is, is that Alice in Wonderland is, is is being used as a kind of a test case. Disney are saying they want it um, uh, twelve weeks, and the studios, uh, sorry, the, um, the cinema are saying it's going to have to stay at eighteen, and they are threatening this boycott. So, um, guys, what do you think um, about what's going on here? And do you think that this, this, you know, the the effects of this will actually have some, you know, some sort of resonance beyond this once it gets sorted out, Dave? Well, the first thing that the cinemas are obviously banking on is that Alice in Wonderland is going to be a smash hit. Um, and I know some people that have seen it, and, and from, from the sound of it, it is going to be a smash hit. Um, so they've probably got a point. But the other reason is that Disney have obviously got their schedule. Why is it that they're only leaving 12 weeks before DVD release? I, I don't understand, or Brendan will probably better tell us why uh, how this decision gets made as to when a DVD gets released and why. It's probably all to do with timing of you know the season and or something that's happening. Like well, it's also marketing as well, because if, if, yeah, you, if you've got Alice in Wonderland playing in, 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 the cinemas, in the cinemas and it's like fresh in people's minds, then I think what they're saying is that people will then rush out and buy it as soon as they can us taking away the sort of the potentially lost revenue from the cinema chains there's all sorts of arguments for narrowing the window um we've already had films released in the uk where there is no window i mean in tony it was like a three-day window but with mum and dad for example i don't know if any of you saw that it was like a torture porn version of a mike lee film there was no window it was released onto dvd it's same exact same second it went into cinemas as it were um there's many good reasons, but in this case, one of the major reasons is the timing of, of that release. Disney is saying we might not do it in future, but they threatened it with Up. Um, and they, the reason they wanted it with Up is they wanted the Blu-ray in UK stores before Christmas. Um, they backed down in the end when the cinema chains dug up some old emails which promised them a 17, specifically promised them a 17-week uh, window on Up. This time there is no such email, so Disney are going to stick to their guns. I foresee a future where your option is you get the Blu-ray or you go to the cinema. You don't wait. You've got that option right there. Um, it's going to prevent piracy problems. It's going to, um, you know, force people to, to force cinemas to turn around films quicker. And, and at the moment, when we've only got a few 3D screens, that really is an issue. And that's that's another problem Alice is facing. It, it's 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 pushing against Avatar, which is already quite happily ensconced in these screens. They've only got two weeks for Avatar to sort of, you know, give up the ghost and hand some of these screenings over. I'm, I think I'm on Disney's side here, but that's because I'm not frightened. If I want to see a film at the cinema, I'll go and see it at the cinema. I think I quite like Zero Windows. If I'd gone to see, uh, for example, I don't know, let's say a film I really loved last year, Coraline, at the cinema, and I walked out and the Blu-ray was in the foyer on the way out, I would have bought it in the foyer on the way out. Absolutely, and yeah. I, 
I think there are people who go to the cinema for that cinematic experience of watching a film with a group, or, you know, a lot of the time, seeing a really, really, really big image. And I don't mean IMAX big, but I mean big enough to be, uh, you know, effective and not so big that you can't see it. Um, and I also think that, you know, going out to the cinema, the act of going out to the cinema is something that people want to do a lot. I know for sure there's films my wife's come to the cinema to watch with me that she would never have watched at home. Um, so I, I'm I'm quite happy for this window to collapse, and I'm I'm kind of on Disney's side. The cinemas, yeah, I think they've just got to adjust their business model. But I think that's I mean there are so many things coming into play now with with 3D uh, and with the digital distribution, and they they always bring up the the threat of internet piracy. Uh, Brendan, your words were pretty much exactly what I wrote in in the post that I put on Hey You Guys just today. Um, in, and it's in particular with Alice. Um, I'm going to want to go and see it. I know about it. Um, and I'm, I'm going to make the decision to go and see it in 3D in, you know, in the cinema, Big, the biggest screen I, I can see. And that's exactly my choice. I think what the what the problem is here is that, A, people don't necessarily want to change the way things, things are working. Um, you know, change is always bad, I think, and you'll always have people who are resistant to change. The talk of boycotting and the talk of, you know, um, the effect it may have on future film releases, I think, is is probably blowing up out of all proportion. But I think it, it, it may have um, it may have a certainly a big impact on on Alice if they do carry it out, which I can't see them doing. Gary, what do you think about this? No, I'm, I completely agree with Brendan. I mean, if if I want to see a film at the cinema, I'll go I'll go to the cinema. I saw Transformers two twice at the IMAX, unfortunately. But okay, I'm that's just a bad that. thing. Yeah, it was a terrible film, but I mean, I'm glad I saw it at the IMAX. It was it was worth seeing there on the big Why screen. Why did you watch it the second time? I I bought ticket and um, my friend brought another ticket, and I didn't know about the other ticket, so I had to go twice. It was sounds Shakespearean, man. <laughs> okay, there's one thing. That's the only time you're ever going to hear Transformers two and Shakespearean uh, in the same in the same sentence. Okay, so I mean. Obviously, this is going to be, uh, you know, resolved in the next couple of weeks because, of course, it, it's it's out in the next couple of weeks. Well, that's how long we've got. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I'll tell you what I want from my local cinema. I want them to offer me customer service, and customer service, as I see it, is putting on the films that I want to see. Now, they already don't do that, um, but shutting up something like Alice in Wonderland is just going a step further. If people have got to drive 30, 40, 50, and in some cases it might be up to 200 miles to see this film in 3D... That's that's appalling. Do your job. Do your job. Put this film on. How much money do you think you were going to be making in that period? And how many people do you think are sat at home going, well, Bob, I'll wait for the DVD? Those are the people who are like, well, Bob, I'll download it tomorrow anyway. Exactly. I think you're right. But I, I don't know how big this, this news is. Certainly, you know, we obviously picked up on it because we're interested in it. But I think that if the boycott does go ahead and we suddenly, all of a sudden see a lovely royal premiere in Leicester Square for it, and then you can't see it anywhere, I think it's going to be um, it's going to be a bit of a slap in the face. Hopefully it won't have any, any more negative effects and we don't see, um, you know, the studios uh, being so um, heavy-handed. I think uh, and and immovable, but I guess we'll see. Um, okay, guys, yeah, any more? Well, yeah, just before we finish, don't forget. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be going Alice crazy. So we've managed to get a place at the uh, in the media pen at the premiere. So we'll be covering that for you. We'll be live tweeting from that, and um, we're also we've got screening in a couple of weeks. So we'll be um, bringing the review as soon as we can. And we'll also hopefully be interviewing um, Anne Hathaway and various other members of the cast as well. So and also Tim Burton. Tim Burton as well, yeah, which is going to be wonderful. John's, yeah. John's got the pleasure of that. So stay tuned on Hey You Guys and keep checking back for more coverage of Alice if that's your thing. Okay, that's following our uh, message from our sponsors. Um, this is also to let you know if you were very much looking forward to another one of these podcasts uh, to be released uh, next Friday. Next Friday at this time, we will actually be in the screening for Alice in Wonderland. So um, the podcast, if there is one, may be delayed by a couple of days. But uh, as soon as we can talk about we'll Alice... something there, though, John. Come on, I'll have my little thingy in my pocket. I'll whip it out and chat to you. And, you see, and you... your phone as well, I hope, Brent. Okay, no, yeah. that doesn't record. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm definitely going to keep that one in. Um, Brendan, yes, we will. We can talk about it beforehand and, uh, and maybe sort of whip up an Alice. Because <laughs> yeah. no one's going to mind that, are they? Um, room, full of, uh, room full of critics. So, okay, um, that's pretty much it for the film news uh, for this week. Before we talk about what we're going to uh, look at next week, there's been a couple of, um, of, of news stories that are going around in the last couple of days uh, about the same person, Penelope Cruz. She was linked to two films. Lars von Trier's follow-up to Antichrist, which is uh, called uh, Melancholia, which is a, supposed to be a psychological um, 
drama about uh, with science fiction overtones about a planet which is looming very close to earth and people are going to go crazy and become very melancholic one would thought uh, and Penelope Cruz was going to be um, a lead in that then the next day we heard that Penelope Cruz was in talks to star opposite Johnny Depp in Pirates of the Caribbean 4 so my quick poll to, to you guys is which film would you rather see would you rather see her on board um, you know the pirate ship or under Von Trier's looming moon Dave um, I can see her in Pirates 4. I think it's a good role for her and that she'd be very good in it. Okay, Gary? Uh, melancholia. Sounds more interesting. Bless you, Brendan? Well, Melancholia, of course. <laughs> Somehow you were going to say that they... have seen those Pirates films. You knew what I was going to say as well. I knew what you were going to say. But that's yeah, no, you're... I didn't say I liked them. Especially. I love the first one. The, the second one was... Why? The, third one. the first one's brilliant. Um, the, the, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Johnny Depp's good, isn't he? Yeah, he's very good. <laughs> okay, that's well... I'll uh, take the bait. <laughs> you really did take the bait. Um, okay, personally, I'd rather see... Penelope Cruz in something like um, Last One Trust film because just simply it sounds like a much more interesting film and I think I bet Jerry can offer her more money yeah but that's probably what it's down to basically uh, unfortunately it is yeah yeah okay no, I, don't think the, I don't think the Eels bank balance is really that, that deep but you know she's apparently already bowed out of melancholia and I think it's a mistake I think it's a mistake yeah but for her career though do you think I mean you know she's just won the Oscar Chris do you think... Maria do you know what I mean is she going to fade off the planet if she goes and makes a film that's not for babies or to sell toys of course she isn't she's you know she's going to benefit herself if she goes and makes some strong interesting movies and you can say what you want about that man but his roles for women are not cliched and they are not typical and I promise you whatever role they give her in this Pirates film is going to be tired it's probably going to be borderline misogynist and it's just going to be just boring exactly and I couldn't have put it any better myself. So if you have any thoughts on that or on anything that we've said tonight, uh, you can either comment on the site or do email us at mouthoff at heyyouguys.co.uk. Next week, like I said, we're going to be talking during the Alice in Wonderland screening, it seems, um, and uh, sharing our thoughts if we can, if we're not under embargo. Also, there's a couple of films, um, The Lovely Bones, and I think we may be able to talk about Extraordinary Measures, which will be a treat uh, for those people who have waited years for this Harrison Ford and Brendan Fraser uh, clash on the screen so um guys is there anything else you want to say before we uh, before we cut it off yeah perfect day movie fantines uh well that's a good one the apartment or the fisher king oh the fisher king oh that's just wonderful i'm such a big fan of that uh for me it's uh death proof <laughs> <laughs> i won't accept a lift home from you after the screening next week <laughs> uh, terminator terminator the first one would be good yeah, okay. audition for me. Dave, just kept, you kept watching that one scene over and over again on video. It doesn't mean it's romantic. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, but it's just okay. That's fair enough. Okay, uh, Gary, thank you for that question. Did you say audition at the end of that? Yeah, audition. <laughs> oh, man, that's just freaky. But I, I can understand where you're coming from. Okay, so and if you have your perfect Valentine's Day movies, then send them in, and we'll and we'll maybe look. at so do get in touch with us. You can always email us at mouthoff at heyyouguys.co.uk. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash heyyouguysblog. And uh, next week we'll actually be live tweeting from the BAFTAs uh, ceremony in London. Dave's going to be on the red carpet. He's also going to be at the ceremony itself so he can bring you all the news. Do check out Brendan Connolly's Slash Film UK column which is up every Friday. And also if you do have time, check out his marvellous uh, multi-part documentary on the princess and the frog it's a stunning bit of work and you can find it on slashfilm.com search for the frogumentary that's it for another podcast we do hope to see you again hope you enjoy the show thanks for listening see you soon